Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. So Chris, have you ever been hacked or had to deal with cybersecurity issues in your world? Absolutely. One of the things that comes to mind is getting those email alerts saying that somebody's trying to change your password or log into your account in a different area. Usually I've had like two-factor authentication step in the middle of that, which always makes you really relieved. But yeah, with everything online now, I guess it just makes you realize how vulnerable you are. And also I can think of plenty of stories of, you know, friends who've posted, you know, you've seen that social media post my so-and-so account got hacked. Don't click on any message links from me. Yeah. I've seen so many of those too. And it's just, it is alarming. You realize just how much risk is out there these days. Yeah. I think of the the Norm MacDonald joke too, where it's like, it used to be that you have one photo of your grandpa and now it's like, do you want to see a picture of my grandpa from every day of his life? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much out there these days. It's just, yeah, everybody lives their life digitally now. And, um, there's a a tremendous amount of risk out there yourself. Have you ever had those scares? I think that the two factor security maybe helps in that realm, but also I was, I was maybe late in our generation to get social media. Like I didn't have it until college. I I treaded lightly when it became popular. FYI, I also got social media in college. So I I don't think you were late in your generation. All right. Well, I feel like a lot of our peers maybe were earlier than us. That's true. That's true. We're elder millennials, I suppose, (laughs) is what they call us. All right. Well, I know that we, as in like me and you and maybe some of our coworkers can maybe eye roll at some of the cybersecurity training that we have to do at our current company. Sometimes go through an online course to learn how to spot phishing emails and such. Some of it sounds like common sense when you're going through it, but other times we know hackers can be very sophisticated, looking for the slightest vulnerability. Now, that issue of cybersecurity, it can sound like it's this intangible threat to some. That is to say, we don't always see the threat, but a so-called cyber attack or ransomware attack can have rippling effects. And we've seen some of those play out over the last few months at some major facilities in New Mexico. Most recently, Loveless Healthcare. That's right. A ransomware attack detected around Thanksgiving on Loveless's Tennessee-based parent company, Ardent Health Services, forced Loveless hospitals and other hospitals around the country to shut down their online network, reroute emergency room patients, and reschedule some patient surgeries. And this isn't the first big player that's dealt with a cyber attack in New Mexico either. We'll get into some of the details about what we know so far and how Arden and Loveless are responding to that cyber attack. But for today's discussion, we wanted to bring in an expert in this field. With us in studio is Rafael Warren, retired Brigadier General with more than 25 years of military and civilian information technology experience. He's also the president and CEO of Spartan Cybersecurity right here in Albuquerque. So, Rafael, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. First, broadly, Rafael, if you can give us the cliff notes of what got you first interested in cybersecurity. Was it your work in the military or maybe even before that? Uh, Before that, I grew up in North Carolina on the farm and milking cows and that sort of thing just didn't intrigue me. Yeah. And I was uh, fortunate enough to to be born in Chapel Hill, the Triad area, lots of... uh, 
innovative intellectual things going on that incidentally I was able to take advantage of. Before there was STEM, science and technology, we had something like that. And so early interest in math and science. And at 17, getting off the farm became my prime objective. Anywhere off the farm was where I wanted to go. And I had a little toehold in technology. There it began. So in your work in the military, you know, what, what got you maybe in the, in the cyber technology world? So I started off as a basic soldier in the Air Force and, and in helicopters and uh, in helicopter technology, lots of analytic tools and, and equipment, because when things fly, you can't just try everything. So there's a little bit of computer work that's required. And then radio systems and the uh, transponder systems, the things that let you know that you're a bad guy or a good guy, or let other people know that your aircraft is near others. And it became very interesting to me, and I saw it growing. So I've kind of stayed on that path. And later on, I started taking a few computer certification courses. So I became Microsoft systems engineer sort of thing and doing some, my first degree is aeronautical engineering. And then to deepen my knowledge of computers, and it just became my love. It, it tends to... to expand across many things, no matter what you were doing, from sports to financial to cars. The computers were in the middle of it. And I came along at a time where the paradigm was, how fast can your computer go? And then how can your computer connect and, and network? And then someone, oh my God, my computer is now talking to people at times that I don't wish it to talk. Mm-hmm. And then security concerns started. We have a broad audience on this podcast, I think. I'm thinking maybe young professionals, people who feel pretty comfortable with technology, and then there are some who don't. But high level, why do you think people should care about cybersecurity and keeping their online information safe? What's the worst that can happen? Okay, so the worst that can happen is that you'll find yourself spending years trying to to reclaim an identity that you thought was your own. I mean, your mother gave you a name and it's on your birth certificate. How could someone else, and why would anyone else want to own my name, you know, and why would they want to assume my life? Well, they might want to be criminals as you. Some, some of them may look at you like you two talented people and say, well, they're going to be really successful one day. To, to the um, simple things, the trend of taking sports figures from high school and owning their names so they can use them later. Think about that. There's a, there's a kid in high school who someone's already taken the rights to their name and social media. And, and now he can't even own his own name. He can't sell his own name because someone else owns it. He has to buy it back. So at basic level, there is an advantage to someone being able to pretend that they're you. So as we mentioned, Arden Health Services recently detected a ransomware attack. And this, of course, is a little bit different from the sort of personal identity type theft that we were just talking about, but also very much works into that realm of just the idea of taking over a cyber presence of a company here. And so Arden Health Services, they detected this ransomware attack. I want to read part of their statement in response. It says in part, quote, We became aware of an information technology cyber incident on the morning of November 23rd, 2023, which has since been determined to be a ransomware attack. 
The Arden technology team immediately began working to understand the event, safeguard data, and regain functionality. As a result, Arden proactively took its network offline, suspending all user access to its information technology applications, including corporate servers, Epic software, internet, and clinical programs. Now, Ardent has reported this event to law enforcement and retained third-party forensic and threat intelligence advisors. That's what the company, again, is continuing to say. In addition to electronic protection procedures already in place, they say Ardent has also implemented additional infotech security protocols, and they're working with specialist cybersecurity partners to restore information technology operations and capabilities as quickly as possible. They say at this time, they cannot confirm the extent of any patient health or financial data that has been compromised. So we know your company works with local clients, but Loveless is not one of them as we understand. Even so, what can maybe you tell us about what could possibly be happening with a ransomware attack like this on Arden Health Services if we're just sort of speculating from the outside based on your experience? Is it patient information that hackers are likely after, or is it really just the kind of total control that they seemingly have over the company's entire system? Let's just tease out some things in their statement. Uh, They use the word incident. They use it purposely. There's not every incident is a breach, but every breach is an incident. Breach throws you into an entire different realm of legal ramifications. So they wanted to make sure that was in their statement. We are now identifying that we have an incident. It's the minimum that they could do. And the next thing that they're going to do is to, to try to triage. Step one is to stop the bleeding. They're going to shut down systems that they think are affected, uh, systems that they think are related. They should be assembling their team, and they should have a set of protocols in place with leadership. And it's not always tapping on the keyboard. The person who would be in charge Let's say there was a, um, a plumbing issue, large water main issue. The person who's in charge of this incident, even though it may have taken down the IT system, should be the person who's a facility type person versus just tapping on the keyboard. Big mistake that some companies make, you, you always go to the guys who are managing the servers or, or, or the network, and it may be a facility, power outage, all those sort of things. The other mistake is assuming if you have a system down and you haven't identified it, even if it is a hardware problem, that someone won't exploit that. So you go down. You don't know why you went down. I'd be looking to exploit you at that point. When I say I'd be, part of my job is to think in, in, in those sinister terms. Now, it's, I've gotten good at thinking at these sinister terms. I mean, we're friends here, so... You're safe, yeah. but you have to be able to think what is the worst that could happen. I want you to understand, I want to sound a little hyperbolic. There are people who don't care if they kill every child in a hospital. They do not care. They do not care if they poison the entire water system of a city. There are people like that exist. I have to put myself in their shoes and think about what they're thinking about. So when I look at what, what Arden, Arden has done, putting, putting their team in place, it was very important. Second piece is that, okay, you may not trust us, so we're going to say up front, we're going to bring in outside help because whatever failed or happened, whatever talent you have, they may have missed it. And I'm not, I'm not judging them for being taken down or being hacked, 
they are a target, I will judge them on how quickly they move up in their communications plan. Are, are, are they clear? Do they obfuscate? Are they having to walk back things? I already saw that they had to admit this is bigger than originally thought. Again, you guys are communicators. That's a problem when you tell people that the problem is 1x. You find out the problem is 3x. And you've incrementally tripled the amount of mistrust. And that's not helpful for your your corporation or bottom line. This is something that from just an outside perspective, what I gather from this statement, it, it basically means their entire system of communicating internally seemingly has been put out of service for the time being. What we've heard locally is that clinics had to cancel appointments, that surgeries were being rescheduled. We've heard from some of the local hospitals that patients were being diverted from Lovelace's ER to other ERs here in the Albuquerque metro area. It seems like we can't really understate just how big of a deal this is. I mean, this is essentially an entire company's lifeblood seemingly that is on pause right now. Is my read on that correct? You, you are correct, but, but that is the right answer because you don't know to the extent where the disease is and how it's spreading. So you literally have to uh, triage. You have to, you have to turn things off and then you have to have a plan to bring things back online. You have to know that you've, you've inoculated the systems that you've identified. These things don't come in the form of a Trojan or a worm or a, uh, some sort of encryption technology. They come in bunches. Some things mislead. Part of what I did with the military, we would practice tens of thousands of uh, attacks. So with that, we created a thing called Cyber Warriors. We spent years, and New Mexico was kind of out front on that. I was part of the initial team that designed that. And the trick was, we brought in people who actually lived in those industries. We got so good at it, NSA oversight people says, okay, you're going to have to make that a little less lifelike. Because now you're, now you're telling what's wrong. So to the extent, not knowing their background, like I said, there are keywords they put in it as lawyers are listening, as people who, who might want to, to sue. They put keywords in there. It is a good thing to cause some momentary inconvenience versus allowing it to spread further, as you would expect with something normal, we'll call it a worm, just like it sounds. It's going to worm its way through the network. And if you don't know, if you can't identify it, then it could be anywhere. Now, I will tell you, one of the big things is, of the problems, let's just say problems generally, email is just where a lot of it comes from. That means translate to insider threat and hardware failure are number one and two of the problems. Meaning someone got an email and clicked on something. So I have a presentation that's on Sandia Labs now, it's been running, telling small business in New Mexico this is the level of posture you're going to have to have to deal with us because there are hurt feelings. They say, Sandia doesn't, doesn't write us back or whatever. And they may not see your email. If you've got trash in your email or if you don't have your browser updated, you're not going to be able to interact. So Arden, I think at this point, I like what they're, what they're doing. What I think is, the, is a misstep to have to go back. And that initial inclination to soften it is, is dangerous. Sometimes you have to get that unvarnished truth and you get the bad news out faster because PII is the holy grail. 
personal identifiable information. And systems, when they're properly designed, should screen out. If I try to type in something that looked like a social security number on email, if your system were properly set up, it shouldn't send it. It it should stop it because email systems can be that sophisticated. The other thing is your domain name services settings. That just simply doesn't allow you to go to sites that are identified. And some, a lot of this is free. The Critical Infrastructure Systems Agency, CISA, that's free. Everyone should get on there. Every corporation should subscribe to it. They put out all kinds of alerts. And when you find out there's something bad happening in Europe, you really don't have to wait till it gets here. And if you don't know anything else to do and you're running a certain version of software, you could just turn it off. Wait till someone comes up with a fix. You mentioned putting yourself in the headspace of the bad actor and that there are people, you know, even going as far as not caring if someone dies. But in this situation, what could the potential motive be? Is it is it usually money or PII, like you said, personal information? Money tends to be the number one thing. But when something like this happens, it also seems like investigations and resolving cyber attacks on a major network is extensive and can take a while. The Office of the Superintendent of Insurance, for example, which regulates insurance agencies here in New Mexico, they also had a ransomware attack in September. That agency's homepage still says it's investigating the attack as of last check this morning. We obtained information at the time that the attackers were asking for around $2 million in ransom to unlock the office's data. Some of these bad actors seem pretty sophisticated, as we mentioned. Can you give us any insight into that situation? Is this, you know, like you said, potentially an employee clicking a spam email link that unleashed this whole ransomware attack? It could be, but even a simple hardware failure. If I look at your website and look like you're not paying attention, I'm going to make you a target. That's what people do. You, you look soft. Here's a perfect example. There will be PSAs telling people, do not put your Christmas packages on your car seat. And you say, well, I'm just going to run into that store for just a few minutes. Well, that 15 minutes turns into 35 or 40 because it's the holidays. And our little gangster team here, we could go down to the mall there and make, you know, we could clean up. We don't need to be sophisticated. A relatively small hammer will break into the car take stuff out. People hear alarms all the time. Yet, everyone's aware, shouldn't put packages on your car seat. Do it at Christmas. Same thing about clicking emails. You understand it, you shouldn't be doing it. And one of the things that's happened in this automated world as far as encrypted data. So there was a paradigm shift, not unlike the world of hijacking. Before, it wants to, was to remain calm and write it out and let the hijacker go to country he wanted to go to. We were shocked that there were people who would get on the plane that would go down with it. Whole new paradigm shift. So we started in a world where we expect a breach and what they call a data exfil, meaning someone's going to steal something, corporate secrets, whatever, compromising CEO photos, data, uh, corporate secrets. We thought they were going to take that. Someone changed the paradigm and said, what if we stop you from getting your own work. Again, the paradigm shift between someone trying to take your data to someone just locking it down. There's a concept I would have taught 25 years ago, three, two, one, three copies, two different media sources, store one off the site. And so everybody wanted everything automated because hardware failure is the number one thing. 
cloud resources. So, well, we don't want to touch it. We wanted to go up in the cloud. So someone invented worms, go up in the cloud too. So now you have the data that you have resident, you have up in the cloud. I would tell every small business, if you don't have any reason to go super automated, get yourself a thumb drive, save a few things, get involved. You know, it's like, it's like everyone should have an idea of how to do a few things on your car. So at least you, when you go talk to a mechanic, you know what makes sense? Mm-hmm. You know, $500 oil change may not make sense. Depends on the kind of car you drive. You, you have to kind of know that. So that's, that's where we're at is we, we've fallen asleep with the automation and someone has automated based upon uh, our preconceived notions. That paradigm shift, it sort of sounds like is this idea you know, where it used to be about stealing secrets and stuff, and that's still valuable, but, but now we are at a place where it is more valuable just to shut the whole damn thing down. And send it back to you. Yeah. You know more than anything how valuable your work, your trade secrets, and your reputation. All I need to do is make Superman bleed. That's all I need to do. And that blood puts sharks in the waters, and we all know what happens when there's blood in the water and there are sharks. Corporate America, I was swimming with sharks. So we've given two examples of these pretty large operations in New Mexico being impacted. Again, that's Loveless and also the state office of the superintendent of insurance. We also know that uh, the Mid-Region Council of Governments is another one that has dealt with a cyber attack sometime in the last several years. But more on an individual scale, how are regular citizens potentially impacted by cyber attacks like this? Well, we've heard it before. We're all in this together. And you don't want, want to be the person that opens up that Christmas cart from grandma and shuts your company down. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. you, you, so, so, so what do you do? You go talk to grandma, you get grandma's computer or laptop and you crack on the knuckles with a ruler. No, 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 <laughs> you, you don't crack grandma. But you, you, take some, you take some ownership of your family members, especially parents, things like that. And say, hey, let, let me help you with your email. In fact, I'm going to make this special and I'm going to block some things and I'm going to include you in. So, so you know that that email gets screened. So, so one of the things that happens with, with emails and software is that even in a corporate setting, small businesses, if all I did was put additional filtering onto your email to help you, that adds weight. It adds processing. It makes everyone's mad. So then you've got to go budget for a more robust network that can handle the additional processing to look at the email and screen it better. In the meantime, everyone's mad because now you've put all this stuff on. I'm not going to get an email. It's all going to spam. It's getting blocked. That's a corporate culture thing. And the same thing at home. And everyone says, well, I'm good about updating my computer. I can guarantee you without in this entire audience that everyone has said, do you want to update your printer now? Ah, I'm going to print first and then update it later. later. If I were a bad guy, I'd send something that worked along with uh, printers. It's that simple. Hmm. Let's go with pe- people's behavior. Okay. Along those lines, I had an engineer actually here at KRQE years ago tell me that it's always good computer hygiene to log out of things before you turn your computer off. But again, on a smaller scale, what are some things that we here at this table and those listening can do to have good computer or cyber hygiene to keep our information safe. Here's a good thing. Manage your email and manage the resident software. I don't work for Microsoft. Windows Defender always pops up on the list as uh, number uh, two, three, 
of um, good software. The problem is that people don't know how to use it. So for starters, use the free stuff. Learn how to configure your, your laptop for security measures. Because it'll default to do something, but get involved. And then with your emails, be vigilant. Sometimes preview pain is not your friend. There are things that can get you through preview pains. But I, I had a company that literally uh, someone got an email saying to change their email. And without asking or inquiring, they clicked on it. You know, if you have a friend or you get something suspicious, call that friend. You don't have to answer them back right away. It, take a beat. It can wait. Be, be that person. Become that person in your circle that even if you don't have the computer answer, like, okay, they know I'm on this. They'll ask the question. I got something. I think I got a virus. Don't email me about your thoughts about virus. Call me. Let's chat. Don't text me. Any digital system. Those are the basic things that people can do. Learn how to use the free stuff that's on your computer. Learn how to set your email up properly. Clean it out. When you're shopping and looking at websites and you see problems with it or it's hard to deal with, go to someone else that they are a target. If they look like slackers, I can see it. Everyone else can see it. I was out in Las Vegas for a big IT conference. I won't name it. But on day one, you may have, let's say, some hotel chain dot guest. Day two, you got a hundred things that look like that dot guest. And it's free. Resist free internet access. Resist it like a oh really? Like a drug dealer on the corner. Okay. You know, the first one's free. Resist it. That's interesting. Yes. Get yourself a hotspot or um, if you're corporate, a VPN. To be honest, there's some geeks out there will say VPNs. It, it'll protect you from, it's like locking your car. It, it protects you from a number of people. Professional thieves can get in your car. We understand that. But most people aren't professional thieves. So a VPN, encrypted. And these things you can buy relatively cheap for yourself. And you're talking about Wi-Fi just for people who maybe aren't following. Like yes. when, you're, when you're at a hotel lobby and you see, oh, I can connect to the free Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi. Don't. Yeah. Pay for it. And because they, they usually offer you both versions. They'll say, hey, here's your free one. If you want, you want real connection, buy that one. What's it? Seven, eight, ten bucks. Splurge. If it's 15, trust me on this. A question on those lines about passwords. You've seen some big technology shifts, I know, in your career, I'm sure. And it seems like now more than ever, people are storing a lot of information online, on devices, smartwatches, iPhones, tablets, etc. But that also becomes the issue, as I mentioned, passwords. You know, you're safeguarding, trying to keep track of what can feel like dozens and dozens and dozens of accounts to too different many. places, way too many accounts. It gets really tricky. Do you have any suggestion on how to safeguard passwords and devices? I do. Change them often. Come on how clever you are. Change them often. Come in with your own way of doing it. There, there's some CISA guidelines. I always point back to that because there's a lot of free resources and the world changes. And all those funny little squigglies at the top of the keyboard, get familiar with those. Throw one of those in there, special character, always like, I think the government standard now is 12 characters, uppercase, lowercase, and change every six, six months, whatever. Some companies make you do it. Double factor authentication is a, is a good thing. It can be annoying. I actually don't mind storing passwords if you have the, the dual authentication. 
it's a bit of a headache. You know what happens? Once you get used to it, it's just how you roll. You get used to take a beat, take a moment and knowing that, okay, I've got to wait till it comes to my text. I'm going to say, yes, it's me. And yes, I'm, I'm buying a, I'm buying a Rolls. I want to go ahead and drop 300 K and get the car. Yeah. Okay, but I'm envisioning grandmother's, you know, old computer room with dozens of post-it notes with her passwords written all over them. How do you remember all these passwords? You can write them down. Assuming physical security is always preeminent. It is number one. And if you don't have that, you have nothing else. I walked into a bank and I happened to notice the door was propped open because it was too hot in there where they're. IT equipment was. And they're right. IT equipment doesn't like heat. No one does. And it can cause failures and malfunctions. But propping the door open isn't the answer. Uh, Re-engineering and putting industrial cooling in a space that probably wasn't even designed for that. Just to clarify, password management, you're saying it's okay to write it down it is on a okay. piece of paper that's probably safer than storing yes. the passwords on the computer. Yes. I want you to get good at securing your stuff. Your device. I want you to be that person. I want you to take a picture of your credit card back in front, store it, put it. So when someone steals your wallet, whatever, anyone has ever lost a credit card and you're trying to, who do I call? Numbers on the back. You can leave out the little three digit code. There's not much they can do without that. And most of the time it's just lost. You know, but if you don't tell them in a certain amount of time and someone else finds it, then you're going to have a problem. Can you give us any examples of cyber attack cases that you've worked on here in New Mexico and what you've learned from it? I'm going to give you one that's, that's, that's more interesting and all the players are no longer here, but we had a person that was shot by APD up in the mountains and it got so much on social media because they felt like the cops had behaved badly. I don't know that side of the story, yeah, but they I shot a man who had some some mental uh, challenges. Yeah, you're speaking of the, the James Boyd shooting that happened. Right. 2014. So, so the hacktivist, Anonymous, was upset about this, and they think they have a righteous calling. And so they had issued some threats to the city. Those threats were not taken serious. At the time, I ran a team that did this sort of work, but on the federal level. So my hands were tied to help this. But, but since I live here, if you invite me over as, as just a guy off the street, and, and so we did that to, to make it legal. And I did not use uh, government tools because we had high-powered forensics, military-level laptops and devices that are not designed to look at civilian things because it, there's a chance that you could violate someone's rights. So we don't use those sort of tools. But we could, we could observe. And I asked a series of questions. I said, did you execute full backups and you know you're ready? No, really, we, we haven't. I said, okay then you don't know the situation for your data. Okay, you know they're going to try to take you down. Generate up and ready. We all agreed to what would happen next, but we did nothing to stop that. So one of the things that happened in this, in this scenario, they made good on taking some of the network things offline. And at some point, one of the agencies, I'll leave their name now, told the other agencies that they could use some resources. The leaders agreed but you need actual paperwork. And that didn't happen because as a precautionary measure, they took the email system offline. Since they didn't have the resources, a crowd assembled and blocked the freeway. 
These are very serious matters. And all because there wasn't coordination and no plan. They hadn't exercised it. So I, I, when I showed up, first thing I found, the prep work wasn't done. In my military world, I'd say, put your proverbial hands up like you expect to get punched. We've all played sports or whatever, and when you get hit or whatever, and you're not expecting it, it is infinitely more painful than when you're bracing yourself to get hit. And it's the same with cybersecurity. So back on that idea of Loveless, again, this is obviously having a, a large effect on them as we're speaking about this just here on November 29th. There's still a lot we don't know, but at this point, if we say patient information was maybe leaked to someone with bad intentions, how would the victim ever find out? Would they ever find out? And is there a way to know if your information was compromised, if it's with someone else? You have to assume that it has. We've all gotten those letters saying, we think our bank may have been compromised. That's a law. And New Mexico has very similar laws that mirror the federal laws. Immediately, you're going to trigger having to ensure those people get some sort of outside monitoring. That's how they will know. Now, if they're not forthcoming, then you ask. If you think your PII, your personal identifiable information, has been compromised, then you need to get some sort of monitoring. Now, you hear all these different things and different names of monitoring. That's a personal test. Any of it's better than none. Like that old story about the guys in the wood with the bear, and the guy puts his sneakers on, and the guy says, you can't outrun a bear, and he goes, I don't have to outrun the bear. Just you. <laughs> so all you have to do is be a bit tougher, hardened, as we say in that world, than the next guy. Just make it a little bit harder. Put your Christmas packages in the trunk. So Argent Health Services, we know, own more than just hospitals in New Mexico. There are some in Texas, Oklahoma, New Jersey, Kansas, Idaho. How do you see this situation playing out for all of those impacted hospitals? Every, every IT professional would tell you your first call in a cyber incident is to your attorney. <laughs> that is the first call because you're talking about damaging your company in ways that millions to destroying it. It is that big of a deal. Arden Health right now is in a crisis. Make no mistake about it. A cyber incident like this affecting multiple hospitals is a crisis. And everyone needs to elevate like it's a crisis. Like I said, I'm working with a company right now to help other companies work through this. And I was very proud of their response. Even if there isn't something they need to do right away, the fact they're ready to take a punch changes things. As far as making the first call to the lawyer, do you see this playing out as like Arden is going to get a bunch of lawsuits over well, private information well, being leaked? We're a litigious society, yes. But if they've done the kind of things you're supposed to do, in the DOD, DOE sector, there's this 800-171 standards. And that's the stuff that says, if you want to be in a government contract, these are the kind of things you have to do. If something bad happens and you've done those things, then you've mitigated your liability. We make teenage kids go to driver's training to get car insurance. Doesn't mean they're not going to have an accident, but it's a different conversation with the authorities once they do have the accident. Same thing, small business, big businesses, and I'm sure they have a staff of people that have put things in place to ensure this kind of thing doesn't happen. And if you've done due diligence, that's what you go to court with. I did the best I could. I followed the government guidelines. Simple as that. And so if you have those policies and someone does it, then you, well, I had a bad actor. Got it. Yeah. 
So it's going to be, I think, very much about how did it happen and what was in place already to try to prevent something like this. It will be due diligence. The watchword is due diligence and preparation, policies, procedures, standards, training, exercising it. You know, most of us grew up in a world where you had fire drills, at least fire drills. And it's helpful. And some people have family fire drills. And we'll get sophisticated about cybersecurity. We'll start doing these things. And even now, you're less annoyed by multi-factor authentication, aren't you? Mm. You're less annoyed yeah. than, than you were before. Is there anything else that you would like to add that we didn't ask you about that you feel is important for people to know or understand about cyber attacks? The main thing I want people to understand is that in most cases, insider threat, hardware failure. That means managing yourself in cyberspace and on social media. As a part of my investigative team and the forensic work we do, I can identify people who are going to be a problem for your company. Hmm. Look, even now, now I'm not asking you to throw out names. You know there are people here who are going to be a problem for your company. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm not talking about profiling. I'm just talking about a little bit of common sense. All right? So you know in your circle of friends, people who post too much on social media, I like the idea of having your trash laptop that you just play on the internet with, one that you use for your business. And I tell everyone, buy a cheap laptop. It changes so fast. There's no need to spend a lot of money. Get a cheap one. Have the one by the TV. All you do is surf the internet with it. There's nothing on it. Go on shopping sites. And then the ones that you do your business on, pull that out. You do your business. You turn it off. Boom. That exposure time. I tell companies who think they need to run 24-7, you don't. Every hour that you give me, I can create more security. So if you don't run 24-7, you've got a lower chance of being able to protect yourself. Everyone out there, quit being lazy and make a good password. Hold on to computer like you do your wallet. Your data is you. There are people out there that will consume your identity. Oh, and maybe they'll do something wonderful with it. But I doubt it. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, Raphael Warren, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight. My pleasure. I, I hope I've, uh, if I've done my job, I've frightened some people out there. You scared me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fear can be a motivator, but here's the key. I have a hundred plus combat missions. I've been all over the world. Put that fear behind you. Make it push you forward. Do something different. Get your hands up. Ready to fight. There's a cyber war. It's going on now. And there are people who want to crush you. Thanks again to Raphael Warren with Spartan Cybersecurity here in Albuquerque. Very informative discussion. A lot that everybody can probably do to help protect themselves, including changing those passwords. And I think what's also interesting, you know, cyber attacks that he also brought up and mentioned, I remember MDC dealt with one, APS, of course, dealt with one that we didn't mention off the top of this. And of Berlin course, that County. one 10 years ago, yeah, that city of Albuquerque dealt with one related to the response to the James Boyd shooting that occurred. We have seen it over and over again throughout the years affecting large entities in Albuquerque and throughout New Mexico. So a lot of companies at risk can probably continue to be. This is something we certainly, I don't think, are done reporting on. We appreciate you listening. If you have an idea, you can always send it in to chris.mckee at krqe.com or catch me on social media at, at chrismckeetv. And I'm gabrielle.burkhart at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>